black and ugly as ever. However, I stay Houston down to my socks. Welcome to another installment of In My Humble Opinion podcast, where the opinions are humbled and the words aren't jumbled. I'm your host, Avery, like a very nice guy. And I'm also uh, known as Avery Zadius. You could find me on Instagram or Twitter under that same name, Z-A-D-D-I-U-E-S. Thank you for taking out your time and checking us out. Also joined by your host, Jess Devon, ladies and gentlemen. Jess Devon. That's me. Yes, and you could also find him at Dr. Douglas on all socials. Socials. Ooh, what's wrong with me? And you can find <laughs> us at my humble on everything as well. And let's not forget about the streams. We're also on all DSPs. Me personally, I listen on YouTube. I mean, I, I have YouTube Premium, and I just like put it on, and then I, I I turn off my phone, and I can listen to myself. Yes, Devon, I do listen to myself. He always hears me listening. I listen to myself, my own voice, my own voice. I love it. Okay. If you're not familiar with us, we usually have a guest and we spotlight the talent in the city of H-Town. Today's guest is self-motivated gentleman who saw what he wanted and he went for it. From getting a start from working with FUBU to working with various artists such as Rough Riders, Ludacris, R. Kelly, and Susan Carroll, friend of the show, to name a few. Also, the greatest one to me, the legendary Houston icon, Zero. He is the CEO of Loud Records and a marketing guru, a business juggernaut who I personally admire because whatever he looks at, he can figure out a way to make you understand how it benefits you. Just coming off the success of Loud Fest, hailing from Houston by way of San Antonio, Derek McKinney. Hello, 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 hello. Man, I, I, if I can figure out a way to get that intro to just follow me every time I enter a room, you know, <laughs> I take oh, that. Like, God damn. Like, you know, you know shit. You've like, done a lot. That's yeah. perfect. That's perfect. You've done a lot. Yeah. You've nah, done man, a lot. It, man. You know what? You never realize what you've done until somebody else says it. <laughs> absolutely. I, absolutely. I, I don't think about it. Yeah. Well, well that, that, that's what this interview is going to go back. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. All of the stuff that you have done from the beginning leading up to uh, the, the successful Loud Fest that we just had, uh, uh, what, a week, two weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, December 5th and 6th. So we're, we're about a week and a half, a week and some change out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, let, let's go back. Uh, back, back, back to the very beginning, because you have always described yourself as a marketer. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen plenty of interviews where you talk about, you know, uh, the ability to sell, uh, and getting into that. And we just want to let our audience know, because for especially our behind the scenes guests, people don't know what our behind the scenes guests have done. So, you know, you can be somebody that's doing a lot of stuff, but they're like, oh, I, I had no clue that, you know, he was into all that. So let's talk a little bit about, like, what got you into marketing in the first place. So um, for Houston natives watching this, I was at a club called Jamaica, Jamaica, like on a Tuesday night, and it was me and my homeboys. We was, we was going to the car and and like I see the dude putting like eight flyers stuck to my mama's car windshield. And I'm like, why are you putting all this on my car? And he was like, man, I get paid $600 a week for each one of these. I did the math. 
And I was like, okay. So I went home and I called all eight and told them I could do it for $300 a week. And I got like three or four of them to give me a shot. Hey. So I started making 1200 bucks a week, passing out flyers and CDs. We were already going to every club, every party, everything that was going on in the city. So now I was getting paid to listen to music, meet people and go where I was going anyway. And it just, it just happened so naturally it made no sense. Um, and I've, I've always been a, um, a negotiator growing up. I was the kid that would, I have like nine aunts and uncles. I'm like, look, if everybody give me $20 for my birthday, then that pays for the Jordans. So that's, I was always figuring out ways to get my aunts and uncles and, and my family and stuff to, to do the things I needed them to do. And they was like, oh, man, you're a con artist. You're a hustler. Like, no, I was, I was an entrepreneur <laughs> at an early age. And I just figured out how, how to do what works. Now, what drives you in terms of what you're deciding to market? Uh, do you always have goals and like, yo, I really want to get into this industry or whatever? Or is it something where it's like, look, this kind of speaks to me and I feel like it'll sell? Uh, it, it's both. Um, I any any company or anything that I've, uh, I I like to say any, any company I own, it was built out of necessity. It was because I had a need for that service at the time and I couldn't get it the way I wanted it or when I wanted it or something. And so I created my own. And I've gotten to this space where I don't do anything I don't believe in. I don't work with music I don't believe in. I don't go to events I don't believe in. I don't work with people I don't believe in. And so... I, it naturally, man, um, naturally, I, ca I can kind of figure out, you know, I, I can see what's going to work and what's not going to work. Mm -hmm. I can look at a game plan or I can look at a product and I can tell you who the consumer is going to be, who we need to target, who we need to market to and figure out a strategy to get it in their hands. And if I got a brain wrestle with it, then sometimes I'm like, nah, it's not for me. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what, then I'm going to put you on the spot because you got okay. two varying artists uh and and one of the things that i did notice about loud fest and we'll talk about that later was the variety of music that you Definitely. had there you had some rock groups there that i was like highly interested in but let's talk about uh susan carroll who we've had on the show okay. uh, uh -huh. and 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 zero uh okay. who is a houston legend these are two widely different artists what is it about kind of each one where you're like okay, I see something in this person or I see a strategy that I can develop out of this for marketing? Well, I, I think with, um, so Zero was a legend before I met him. Uh -huh. Like I, I've, been, I've been working with Zero for about four years now. Mm -hmm. um, now we've done some really cool things in the past four years, but Zero was, was or is a legend before I encountered him. Okay. Um, I just, all I had to do was just do what I do at a high level to enhance what he had going on. Um, then you have an artist like Susan Carroll or an artist like Tim Ned or, or Chelsea Simone or Skyra Bliss or Cody, where I, I look at, I look at the talent, but then more importantly, I look at the person again, I don't work with people I don't like, and I don't believe in that. Um, it's, it's business, nothing personal. But if I if I can't invite you over to the house, if I can't introduce you to my wife or my kids or my mom, because um, they'll be at events, they they be at the stuff we do. If I if I don't 
like you to that extent, how can I commit so much time and effort into you? How can I commit so much money into you? Um, so it's when it comes to the artists, I really just look at people that I like. I gotta, I gotta actually like you. I think talent, talent is highly overrated. Mm. Um, and too many artists try to get by just on talent. But I like to think if I don't like you as a person, how I'm going to convince a million other people to like you as a person. <laughs> That's true. That makes That's true. Okay. I, I gotta okay. ask though. I gotta ask. How did you get zero to smile? <laughs> no, listen, listen, man, let me tell y'all something what people don't realize. This dude is the biggest comedian on the planet. Really? What? He roast and crack jokes 24 7, 360. Yeah. Like that. So, the, I guess the zero persona is when, like, shit ain't going right. Yeah. And, and more often than not, it, it, with him, he's huge on respect. As long as you're doing what you say you're going to do and respect what he got going on, then there's no issues in the world. Okay. It, it's when it comes down to, let's say, a promoter want to book him and then tell him, oh, man, I had such and such for 4000 Why can't you do it for 4000 And his answer, I ain't no $4,000 ass nigga. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the... You know, like, nah, his price is 12 to 15 and that's just his price. Either okay. you do it or you don't. So it, he, he's really big on the whole respect factor. Uh, and, okay. and like, he gonna laugh, he gonna joke, he gonna kick it. Um, I just tend to make sure that things go easy to where he don't have to revert into that, uh, that mode of where he gotta cuss people out or, or be the bad guy. Okay. Ah, okay. Okay. So, uh, working with, uh, I mean, when you first get an artist like Zero, who already has uh, a persona, he's already kind of established himself. Uh, what is it that you look at that artist to kind of, I mean, I guess for lack of a better word, market? Because they're already out there. But right. what is it that you uh, kind of bring to them? Or what were some of the first things you were doing with Zero where you're like, hey, I want to try this uh, to kind of branch out and, and, and grab more fans? Well, I look for what, what's missing and what's wrong. Um, I, we all know what works. We all know, like, look, this dude record three, four songs a week. We, I, he, he, he's, a, uh, he's a musician. Meaning, like, he understands melodies. He understands keys and tones. Uh, he understands notes. He understands sheet music. Um, he produces. He engineers. So he's not just the dude that's just rapping. So with his musical background and, and, what, and what he's done, is the re that's why the records come out the way they do. Now, it's my job to look at his career and say, what haven't you done? How can I bring the digital world into you and enhance what you got? Because most of the time, an artist who already has his core fan base, his fan base of a half million people, guess what? They're lumped into that group of five million people that are listening to Jeezy. They're also lumped into that group of four million people listening to Future. And they're listening to everybody else. So I got to get that half a million to influence those others and bring them over to this side. Ah, okay. 
So that that was my goal is to mobilize his existing fan base to trigger all the DSP algorithms. Now he's on close to 200,000 Spotify playlists. You know, so it's my job to add fuel to the fire. It's not reinventing the wheel for him. It's just adding the pieces that weren't there. Um, you have an artist like Zero that's making money consistently. It's easy for people to get caught up in the fact that all I got to do is just be there and answer the phone and I'm going to get a check. To whereas me, I'm trying to figure out how to, how do I get him a bigger check? Okay. Because as management, I get a bigger check. But too often they focus, the, the, the entities just focus on their own personal checks. And then when they run out, they wonder why. Was well, you didn't focus on the product. Okay. I mean, that's interesting too, because, I, you know, Zero is like, the epitome of a Houston artist. I, I feel like Houston artists, a lot of our legends kind of have those, when you think about K Reno or Lil Kiki or Zero, these super strong and large, far reaching fan bases. But like Houston, it is one of those things where sometimes it's difficult marketing them out like even further than where they already are. And so we, that's See, why we I, I wouldn't even say it's different. Okay. I wouldn't even say it's difficult because, man, you know, Zero's number four, number four market is Phoenix, Arizona. Really? Five is Augusta, Georgia. Wow. They love him in Chicago. Germany emails us every week for vinyl or wanted to do something. Really? I just, I just don't think there have been enough people on the executive side of things to lead the artists. Okay. If you think about everybody you just named, they're all the CEOs of their own companies. Yeah. So they have to make the music, sign the distribution deals, approve the marketing. They're never allowed to just be the artist unless somebody else expand their market. And I, I guess that kind of leads into uh, what we're, I mean, I follow you on Clubhouse and I hear you speak a lot about the infrastructure uh, yeah. I, I was I was literally just listening to you when you were uh, yeah. I mean listening in on the uh, clubhouse about uh, the movie and the film infrastructure and mm -hmm. so it is a lot of that I mean Houston has the talent Houston has the artists and what you're right these artists are CEOs of their own company but what is it that you're doing to develop the infrastructure? Uh, and what is it you feel Houston needs in terms of that infrastructure? So what, what I'm doing is um, with our record company, Loud Music, we are a full service record company. We're just not a record company with a recording studio. We handle distribution. We handle marketing. We handle, we handle branding. Um, our production is in-house. Our writing is in-house. Um, our PR and publicity. Um, we handle everything ourselves. So we're a full service record company. But then we're also, we also have an internship program with Texas Southern University in their engineering recording and management program. We all, um, I was, on the, I was on, the, on the advisory board for ACC's music business school. So we were able to allow interns to come in and actually do real work and develop their own brand. So I've had like nine interns graduate and go on to do great things, including in that room, Vincent Powell. Ah, um, okay. So it's it's my thing is I've really been pushing the executive side of things across the city. But at the end of the day, I know that Houston has, has is one of those cities. It's a show me city. Now 
the sad part is if I were drove around in a Bentley and had a bunch of gold chains on and took <laughs> bottles, everybody <laughs> whatever I said and would listen to me 24-7. You're right. But it's it's one of the things where you know what? We're we're in the process of setting up a new office. Um and our new office, I'm literally replicating a Def Jam office where receptionist area, logo on the wall, like I want people to feel like they're at a major label when they come to Houston. Because we don't have that that door that services multi-genres. We don't have that here. Um, I'm, we're working on a, a co-work space that focuses on fashion, film, tech, and music. We'll have three podcast studios, um, an internet radio studio, a TikTok room, a YouTube room. We'll have a cut and sew area with mannequins and sewing machines and all the... Um, all the tools needed for fashion designers. Uh, we'll have six editing bays. So I'm trying to grow the infrastructure from the business side and from the creative side. Um, and then you take Loudfest. We had over 220 independent artists, but every artist that performed, they had, they had to meet certain requirements. Original music, register with BMI, ASCAP, music on one of the, on one of the major streaming platforms. They had to have a press kit. Um, they had to have a clean version to their song. So from just a submission process alone, now there are 6,000 independent artists that I can tell you that meet the qualifications and have that checklist. That same checklist is a checklist used by the Grammy committee. And so it's, it's my way of changing the mindset of the artists here as well as the executives and the leaders. And, but I, I honestly feel like it's going to take for um, one of our artists, which I hope is pretty soon to be thrust into the spotlight globally um, on your radio every day, on your TV every day, for somebody to be like, you know what, he's been telling us this. Now let's listen, let's follow suit. Because th that's what it's going to take. Absolutely. I mean, I will say this, like you say, you, you know, if you had a Bentley or a chain, I think that Loud Fest, at least right now, is the Bentley and the chain. Because I know a few artists that have been doing it for a minute that were scrambling to get their business together to participate in the Loud Fest. So what you are doing is is working. Because I was like, nah, you you didn't have this stuff already? <laughs> they were like, nah. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's a huge, that is a huge uh, thing. This is uh, the fifth year of Loudfest? This is the fourth year. Fourth year, I'm sorry, fourth year of Loudfest. Yeah. What initially made you uh, start Loudfest just in the first place? Well, Free Press Summerfest wouldn't answer my calls. Okay. They wouldn't respond to an email, they wouldn't respond to social media. I was like, man, look, the intermission, the changeover in between acts. Can I have an artist do a song? Can we set up a stage in a parking lot and perform for the guests while they're waiting in line? Like, I was trying, like, like, I'll pay for it. You guys ain't got to do nothing. And they just wouldn't even respond. So I had a choice. Either keep begging them or create a platform for my own artists. So we set up the first Loud Fest at Fox Hollow. And we did like 250, almost 300 people. The next year, we did like six, 700 people. Then the third year at, at Ravens Tower over at White Oak, we did 4,800. Damn. So, and 
it's there are artists that have performed on each one and that's by design because as things grow and as things get bigger and better i'm just i'm making a, a very very strong effort and pushing the point of bringing along certain artists and they're not even signed to me i'm not managing them I'm, i don't have nothing to do with their careers but if there's an opportunity for me to create a platform for some of these artists to perform and they and they support and believe and give me a shot in everything i do then i make sure they get a shot and too when we're talking about things like live music and live performances i mean loud fest also feel filled a, a void a huge void that was left when South by Southwest decided, hey, a number of artists were like, look, I finally got somewhere to go. Like, you know what I mean? And so that was a, uh, that was a big thing. I mean, going into this year with COVID and everything going on, that's a big hurdle to get over in terms of uh, getting a fest going. What made you decide to keep going this year? And, uh, and, and what do you think the response overall was? I, I I always, as soon as the pandemic hit and South by Southwest canceled, the next week we did a live stream concert. And I ain't going to say we invented it or we were the first ones ever, but we promoted it just like a regular concert, flyers, press release, email blast, the whole nine. We had 10 media outlets there and they all went live from their social media accounts. And, and so we were jumping... Uh, ahead of the curve very, very soon, immediately. We were, so the pandemic, with any major pandemic or, or global crisis, new millionaires, new billionaires are born, new businesses take off, everything. And I did not want to be on the losing end of that shit. I didn't want to be stuck out like, man, if I could have did this or if I could have did that. You know, a lot of people chose to take their foot off the gas and use it as an escape goat. But when you don't have the smoke and mirrors of the clubs and all these different fancy offices, and you got to rely just on your skill set, a lot of people folded. A lot of people were scrambling. You start seeing major high-profile rappers and, and, and publishers and entertainers, and all of a sudden they're selling a, a gumbo on, on Instagram, and they're doing all this other kind of stuff. <laughs> and I, I was like, nah, not us. We could have released new music. Zero released two projects. Cody Blake released a project. Tim released a single. We did a concert uh, in, in the restaurant at House of Blues. We did live stream shows. And I saw the response of it. And I was like, you know what? There's no need to cancel Loud Fest. Yeah. We're going to tweak it. We're going to change it. Um, our capacity was four, like right at four or 5,000 people a day. We cut it down to like seven, 800. Um, I knew we were outdoors on 4 acres of land. So I got with um, the company Sanitize USA and they came out and disinfected, disinfected the whole property for us. And it lasts for 90 days. Uh, it kills any virus or bacteria on any surface. Um, we knew if we followed the guidelines and the protocols, we gave out free masks, free gloves. We had hand sanitizer stations, gallon bottles of hand sanitizer scattered everywhere for people to use. And we just like, you know what, let's give people something. And somebody was going to take the risk. Somebody was going to take the chance. Um, we were in a unique space to where we were not big enough on a global radar to where it's like, hey, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. But we had enough momentum behind us as a brand and as a company to be able to execute it and pull it off. And the response and the feedback has been phenomenal. 
like, I mean, I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of new artists hitting me every day, waiting for 2021, mm-hmm. waiting for the next one, or just any concert, any event that we do. And so it, it, served, it served its purpose for what it was supposed to do this year to yeah. set us up for the, for the next year. And that's a big thing, too, because Houston is known for, uh, I mean, sadly, kind of losing out on festivals. Like, a festival will be here for a little while, it'll leave. And then I, you, you picked a great time where, I mean, I know, you know, one of them, like, Day for Night and some of the other ones, they get rained out. Or there's something mm-hmm. like, you're in a nice time of the year. It's a nice point for uh, actually having the festival. Uh, what are some of the things that you kind of learned from this last one that you just threw? So 60% of the attendees there came from out of state. Mm. That was a shocker to me. So that let me know our reach for this festival was further than I expected. It also taught me that Houstonians, especially the entertainment community, move slow as hell. And they wait wait to see who else is going to be there first. Absolutely. Not, Not let me come capitalize, let me be the star. I need another star to be there so I can come say I was around these stars. Mm, okay. And that, that mentality like frustrates me to no end, but I, I've seen it that, you know what, that's the Houston artist mentality. Uh, we, had, we had artists from Houston where the manager showed up at 510 to collect their credentials and everything. The artist was supposed to perform at 550, but that artist showed up at 830. Oh, come on. And that manager's other artists just didn't show. So y'all missed out on interviews with Apple News and 30 other media outlets. It's artists that did more media in two days than they have in the past two years of their career. And so I I don't, I feel like the Houston artists did just did not take advantage of it. And I, next year, I'm, I'm not going to focus on the Houston artists. I get. It. I'm a. I'm a put it out there. I'm. A, I'm gonna make sure they have everybody has full access. But if I try to build the event, the way you get the Houston artists is by letting them see all the other artists from everywhere yeah. else. And I'm honestly, I'm hoping that uh, this last year's showing will convince a lot of Houston artists, like when we talk about infrastructure and things like that, like you have uh, international and national media there, like artists that were, you could have had interviews with where when you say like Apple and things like that. So some of this stuff that you're talking about, this was a really built out music festival. Uh, and, And it has a lot of potential to get a lot larger than what it is. So I'm hoping, uh, Houston artists see that and be like, yo, this is right in our backyard, especially when it's something that Houston artists ask for all the time. Like, how come we can't have a South by Southwest or how come? And I'm like, it's right here. And, and, and you know what, man, it's, 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 here's what I figured out the other day on clubhouse. And it's the minute it's, it's because I didn't make it about them. If I'd have made the f- festival about certain individual artists and certain individuals it had been a different ball game Mm -hmm. in their eyes but show me an artist in this city outside of a Bumby or Scarface. Scarface had 
dealing with COVID and yeah. his health issues, so he wasn't going to be there. Bun was out of town. But I had Flip, Kiki, Baby Bash, and Zero. There's not many artists that live in this city that has outsold them. Yeah. So anybody that has sold less than them should be there. That's just my thoughts. But I heard, I, I heard artists say things about why I didn't call. Why didn't, uh, D, you got my number, why you didn't text? Really? Or, or some have even said, man, I didn't know nothing about it. There's no way you have, there's, no. there are people in jail who send emails <laughs> and write letters that heard about this festival. Exactly. Yeah. There, there are people in Arizona, people that are in Japan, like we've gotten feedback and, and from all over the globe on this festival. And so an artist that lives here, you haven't been traveling, you haven't been touring, you haven't been doing no shows. You follow every one of these media outlets that's been posting and talking about it. You even follow the DJs that's been posting and talking about it. But for some reason, this one event, you didn't hear about it. <laughs> well, so, so I just kind of realized like, you know what? A lot of these Negroes are so entitled that if they don't get a personal invite or phone call, they don't want to come. And then a lot of artists here are really insecure. And I'm going to say not here everywhere. When they know they're not the biggest artist in the room, they don't want to go. Mm. Okay. When they feel like they're going to be treated, and I, I made it a point to treat the biggest star the same way I treated the smallest star. Mm -hmm. I I mean, Zero showed up 30 minutes early performed his set on time. Yeah. Kiki showed up. Every one of the artists, the main artists, the headline showed up early. Which is good. It sets a tone. Yeah, so so it's like if 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 these veterans who are making money and selling hundreds of thousands of records and have sold millions of records, if they can respect what we're building here, and I think that's the biggest thing, they see like, you know what? Flip, Kiki, Roe, and Bash, they never headlined a festival in Houston. Hmm. Really? It's always been the Houston All-Star set where they all do one of their hit songs in one 20-minute window. Yeah. And then they rushed off stage and then uh, a Young Thug comes on or Post Malone comes on or somebody else. And as, and we had LED panels on stage. We had smoke. We had lights. We had all of these things for our own artists. And there's and there's a lot of insecure artists to where they feel like, you know what? If if it wasn't, if, if I'm not invited or if I'm not on the main stage, then I'm not even going to show up. Hmm. Well, you know, I think that's why we wanted to have you on post Loud Fest because the thing about it is like, uh, you know, the running thing is like at the end of every South by Southwest, the last night, the next day you're planning for the next South by Southwest. So exactly. we would hope artists would be out here looking for how do I get onto the next Loud Fest? What are my qualifications? What am I? So we want people going to the website and everything. So one, I mean, kind of let artists know, like, if they want to participate in this, artists and uh, just participants, people that want to come out and just see a festival for this upcoming year, what is it that they need to do? Follow us on Instagram at loudfesttx and then check our website, loudfesthtx.com. 
the uh, the new logo, um, the 2021 logo will be revealed pretty soon online. Um, our our artist submissions will start in January, probably late January. Um, we'll we'll start doing an early bird ticket um, pretty soon, because and that's the thing, our ticket price was so low. What? Our, our 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 ticket price for the weekend was initially twenty five bucks for the whole week, either fifteen dollars a day or twenty five dollars for the weekend. That didn't change until November. And then it became twenty five dollars a day or forty for the weekend. That's still cheap. And yeah. So five dollars. I mean, twenty five dollars. We've only talked about the main headlining artists, but we're going to get into it. There were a lot of artists, including not just hip hop genre. It was a lot of different genres that were represented. So yeah, we had EDM DJs, we had Bollywood DJs, we had country artists, we had indie rock artists, we had pop artists. We had, um, it's like a Latin pop genre that's really, really thriving right now. Um, it's, we had, we had a guy playing uh, a trumpet and he was backed up by another guy playing the bagpipes, yeah. real bagpipes. <laughs> and they killed it. People loved it. People loved it. And that's the beauty of a festival. Um, a festival artist has to be able to appeal to a lot of different people at the same time. And a lot of times you'll hear like, oh, we got such and such festival going on and there's 60 rappers in a club. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's not a festival. No. So when you have white, black, Asian, Indian, Hispanic, all in the crowd, and you have to give a performance that pull them all in, that's not easy for everybody. And, and a lot of artists found that out. Um, but throughout the process, I would send emails once or twice a week letting all the performers know what to expect, how to prepare, how to rehearse, how, how to set up their music, how to set up their sets. A lot of them would email. Um, and man, I talked to so many artists this year. It makes no sense. Hmm. But I wanted them to have as much success as they possibly could. Okay. that weekend because the more success they have the better it looks on the festival absolutely what do you think is the number one i mean uh, just to stop people from making any mistakes what are some mistakes that you might have seen from artists to make sure that those don't get made in this upcoming year read read the correspondence or read the information read artists don't read if they read the emails and read the website and read the information, it would solve, it, it would kill half the communication. Hmm. Also, have a clean version to your music. Which is surprising. A lot of people, a lot of artists do not realize that. Because they're just like, this is my art, I'm going to do what I do. But I'm guessing from a marketing standpoint, this needs to appeal. They all want radio play. They all want their music on TV. They all want this, but it's like, but you won't even give a clean version to your song. Uh -huh. Like nobody has to, if, if somebody has to beg and ask you for it, then you, you messing up. Yeah. And, 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 and I would say the biggest, the number one thing that I've, I've preached from day one is professionalism. Like just cause you're a rapper, that don't mean you have to be this super rap dude uh man, I, I was high, bro. I don't like man. That's no excuse for me. I don't smoke. 
So I, I that means nothing to me that you telling me that you was high. Like I I love professionalism. More opportunities will come from professionalism than your talent. And that's the biggest thing that I, I definitely want our black artists to understand, our urban artists to understand. Professionalism is key. We're already being judged. We already got every stereotype. And if you're doing trap music, you're literally rapping and performing and living up to every stereotype they want to they want to label us as. So at least let them know, like, hey, that's just me on stage, via phone, via email, and out in the crowd and in person. I'm st- I'm a businessman. Or I'm a businesswoman. That's the thing that I want. I want the artist to to um, take away and work on more than anything. Hmm. Now, what made you decide also, uh, when you're looking at grabbing all this, you know, diversity of music? Uh, I'm not going to lie, it kind of surprised me at first, because when I first looked, I was like, oh, it's like a rap festival. But I followed a rock band that I really like, and I didn't even know it was here in Houston. Like, (laughs) I've been listening to them. So what made you reach out? uh, or, Or, I mean, did you reach out? Did they reach out to you? Or... Was it always your goal? Oh, I reached out. Diversity of music. I my it's always been my goal to be to have diversity. Mm-hmm. I I wanted I plan on signing some rock bands, some country artists, uh, some EDM DJs. I want diversity because if um and, and not to go way off subject, but the first lady that ever sold a million records was a black blues singer out of Mississippi in like nineteen twenty one. She sold a million copies of a vinyl record, right? In 1921, where, where were we at as black people? We didn't own record players. Not favorable. <laughs> and so, so who bought those million records in 1921? White people. Yeah. So I understand that we, it's been that way since the beginning of the recording industry. Yeah. And, and, I, I want that at every festival, at every event. I want that diverse crowd because Zero's audience is mostly Hispanic and white. Hmm. So I, I want to be able, so I know that, that same crowd, when they listen to Zero, they're going to listen to Relevant Saints. When they listen to Baby Bash, they're also going to like Inner Image. Like, you know, I think we can, into like on my phone, I got one playlist where I got Mark Anthony, I got Justin Bieber, I got the Eagles, I got Elton John, I got Red Hot Chili Peppers, I got Young Jeezy. It's just one playlist. Yeah, I understand. So same way. I think, and I think today in today's music, I, I I'd be a fool to think that everybody doesn't have something similar on their phones. Mm-hmm. So for for it to be a true music festival, I feel like I got to celebrate all genres and all people. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I mean, even, you know, I followed Relevant Saints was the band. Yeah. And I literally looked at them because they were on your page right next to everybody. I mean, big time artists just because I was like, oh, let me just go ahead and see what this is. And I was like, oh, no, I like this. Like, so, yeah, that, that's great. Oh, man, I appreciate it, bro. In terms of, uh, like, uh, the, the festival that everybody here usually talks about, of course, is South by Southwest. That's what mm-hmm. Texas, that's the big one. South by Southwest usually has uh, events and mixers and things like that in these different cities that lead up to it. Do you plan on having stuff like that to get artists familiar with what's going on? 
So what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to do a couple of shows here in Houston leading up um, the Road to Loud Fest. Okay. Um, we're probably going to do San Antonio. We're probably going to do Austin and Dallas. Um, and we may do Lake Charles, Louisiana as well. Um, still playing the COVID thing by ear by, for 2021, so I don't want to get too aggressive and get too 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 out in front too far out in front of myself. Um, but we will have some things that lead up to it. Um, so we filmed the whole festival. We plan on dropping a documentary. Um, we film like our artists rehearsing and preparing their show and leading up to the festival. We have sit down interviews with all of the main headlining artists. So the documentary, hopefully it works out well to where we'll go to go to Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime with it. That will create enough, not enough, that'll create a lot of attention for the festival for 2021. Um, so we want to, we want to go, we want to go, I want to go big. So I want the documentary to be the thing that really, really drives people. Um, I have some, some early commitments from uh, the app Triller, SoundCloud, um, YouTube Music to be at the event. And we're going to, this year we'll have some panels, we'll have some seminars, um, some things like that. Um, and I, I think that will drive that will drive the awareness this year for us. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of letting things kind of grow organically. Um, I want to, I want to, I don't want to force the envelope too much when it comes to events. Cause I like to, I like to control the crowd. I like to know who's coming. Like I probably spoke to almost everybody who came to the festival cause I communicated with them in some shape, form or fashion. I know as things get bigger, I won't be able to do that. But right now, if I can control or influence a couple thousand that are coming, then as it grows bigger, that's my foundation. That'll be my voice. Those will be the people that set the tone for everybody else coming. Yeah, because you definitely left an impression because the people that I talked to were saying things like, oh, you know, I talked to Derek. And I was like, first of all, they were talking about you like it was like they were old friends. But they're like, yeah, I talked to Derek when I was up there and he was telling us about this and da 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 And then like somebody else, like, oh, I talked to Derek. I talked to Derek. I talked to Derek. I was like, he was just walking around the whole festival the whole time. Like everybody I yeah. talked to said, oh, I talked to Derek. So, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely left a good impression. Man, that, that's what I wanted to do, man, because <laughs> it kind of goes back to me being in the music business and Houston, I had nobody to intern with. I couldn't go to I couldn't go to nobody's office and learn what I needed to learn or work on certain projects or like you, if you're in New York, you can go over to Def Jam, you can go over to Sony, you can go to Interscope, you can go to these places. So I didn't have anybody that I could ever get information from. And that's one of the things I said. You know what? I don't want to be that guy. I I, I want to make sure I can definitely give information. Okay, there we go. My bad light had cut out on us. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. So uh, the other thing too, well, of course, you know, how how do we? How does one get media passes for uh, 2021? Just want to know. Just you got them. Oh, great. great. <laughs> That's easy. That's what we want to do. No, the That's other easy. The other thing too, uh, and it was just something uh, I, I was impressed. We were just in Clubhouse. I saw you on the uh, the panel. Uh, speak about you were talking about soundtracks and wanted yeah. to get. And I hadn't, you know, it's been so long 
since I've really even thought about a soundtrack until uh, the DJ Screw documentary. That, some, of, some of our biggest records and classic songs yeah. that we just love all came from soundtracks. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I remember soundtracks would make you go see a movie. Yeah. I saw Dangerous Minds because of that Coolio song. I saw hey. how high I saw how high because of the soundtrack. The boomerang, yeah. life, coming yeah. to America. All yeah. of the black movies when we had black Hollywood from Love Jones to the Wood to all of those. Like, I want to do soundtracks, man. I think a great soundtrack is needed for a movie. And I think with today's with today's caliber of artists and technology and sound. I, I know a soundtrack can be amazing to a movie, and I, ultimately, I want to get into I want to get in the film industry, but I'm not an idiot. I know that you know I, I don't have time to try to master that world. I need to master the world I'm in, so that way I can financially pay for a master to, to do the film to do the film world like I want to. Makes sense, uh, but I, I want to. Shoot. I want I want to shoot movies so I can release some really dope soundtracks. I uh, I remember when our favorite artists were were the star of movies, or even if you're watching um, Moesha or watching the Parkers, and you see your your favorite groups performing on these shows, and like I really really want to bring that back in, in, at some point really soon. I want a primetime TV show, or even if it's a Netflix series and it's a scripted TV show, but the hottest artist in the country is the guest performer on the college campus during this TV show. And it's somebody every week. You know, I want to do some things like that, that that were memorable to my childhood and so many of our childhoods, but they left lasting impressions on us 20, 30 years later. And I don't think kids today are getting that. Hmm. Derek, I just have to know, what made you want to get in the music business, period? Man, I, you Ooh, so because I was a football guy, diehard football. You you wasn't telling me you couldn't tell me I wasn't going to the NFL growing up as a kid. What position? But uh, linebacker and tight end. Okay, okay. Um, it's I use I got the right on magazine and I saw the DJ equipment in the back. And I was like, wait a minute, fifteen hundred dollars is a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money. So I I wrote down a proposal and was talking to my aunt. And uh, my uncle at the time to see if they would invest and buy the DJ equipment for me. And I was like, okay, let me be a DJ. Then I was like, no, I don't want to be a DJ. I want to be a rapper. So me and my best friend in fifth grade used to write raps and record them on the cassettes and off the radio and stuff. And then I was like, I want to be a rapper. And I, I knew I wanted to, I wanted to be an A&R. I wanted to be the person that found the talent and signed the talent and put the talent together. And I, I actually interviewed for an A&R job with Atlantic Records um, many, many, many years ago. And at the time, they actually hired Jeezy as the A&R. Young oh. Jeezy was the A&R for Atlantic. Oh, and okay. so it was me and three other people. We lost the position to Jeezy. So like, oh, okay, so they just needed a, a face to make that yeah. A&R department cool. Yeah. Um, and I just always knew I, I love music, man. My family. I mean, my dad had me listening to Michael, um, Michael McDonald, Phil Collins, the Eagles, um, 
Earth, Wind, and Fire, um, Alexander O'Neill, Eugene Wilde, and my mom. But every every time some new music would come out every week, my mom and dad was buying new CDs, new cassettes. My family, I have a, I come from a huge family on both sides. It was a birthday party almost every weekend for somebody, two or three people. So we were, I was just always around so many different types of music, and it just stuck with me. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, uh, oh, I, I, <laughs> sorry. I, lost I just want to know, um, what is there a particular song that left an impression on you? Period. Um. Uh, uh, um, hold me down, Puff Daddy and Mace. Really, I've heard you talk about uh your admiration for Bad Boy. Can you speak about that? Man, you know what? I think uh, what, what, what Puff did, it was he shaped the culture. He he made, he gave us hip-hop and R&B. He gave us phenomenal remixes. And what I liked even more about Bad Boy is when there was a period of time where they weren't releasing any music, they still was just as hot. Yeah. He he made the bad boy brand hotter than the artists he had. And I think if I look at every major situation that crumbled, the minute the artist, the artist was the biggest thing on the block. But the minute that artist no longer wants to be a part of that situation or that artist left or anything, that, that label crumbled, except bad boy. Do you bring that mindset to how you're trying to develop things in Houston? Definitely, 100%. That's why we do, my, my success is not contingent on any one artist. My success cannot be held hostage by any one individual. How, how, how do you have a staff of people and how do I tell my wife and kids that not nah, we can't eat this or we can't pay for this or we got to downsize this or because this artist changed his mind? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't. It's, that's just not smart business. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now, uh, besides, well, we talked about Loud Fest. You've got the Road to Loud Fest that's coming up. Uh, just kind of let the audience know again, like how else uh, are all the ways that they can reach you uh, and and reach out to you. So. Instagram at Derek MC, D E R R I C K M C. Um, Loud Fest TX, yeah, Loud Fest TX on Instagram or Official Loud uh, on IG. Those are like the three quickest ways are our website, Loud Music, and music is M U Z I K dot com. Those are the best ways, man, um, because when you go to either one of those, all of our phone numbers and email addresses are on there. Um, you get you can get one of the people on our team. Uh, we have a, a dope ass team, and the reason why we were able to pull off Loud Fest was because our team, our VP of A and R, handled one stage. Um, the president of the label handled another stage. My wife, my daughter, uh, my daughter's best friend, who's a who we say that's our second daughter. My mom, my stepdad, they handled our merchandise. So it's like it's really a family. It's really a team. And that's how we're able to do the things that we do. It's not any one individual. I'm able to do what Derek can do is because I know there's other people. I didn't have to stand by this stage. I didn't have to sell the t-shirts. 
I didn't have to um, I didn't have to go over there and run the sound. We have extremely, extremely great people in those spots to do those things for us. So that allows me to kind of roam free and play the free safety and, and kind of watch over everything and do whatever I need to do. Well, that, that building up a team is a is a great analogy. And while I'm hoping that a lot of uh, Houston artists, business people, uh, musicians, performers, uh, following that example and really, really get behind Loud Fest so that it can be so much larger than it is. Because the, the bigger this gets, I, I feel like it's the better for the city and it's just better for everybody involved. 100%. It's gonna, a lot of opportunities were birthed from this year. Um, artists from New York did collaborations with artists from Houston already. A rap, a rap from New York put a pop singer that he made at Loud Fest on one of his songs and they're releasing it. And so both mar both artists are going to be exposed to different markets. Yeah. Um, people came and met with companies that are going to sponsor their music videos now, um, work on some touring. Some people got with artistauditions.com and now they're going to be performing at their event in April in San Diego. It's just a lot of opportunities that came from this year that, man, I get the thank yous, I get the emails, I get tagged in the posts. And it's the it's the greatest thing in the world. Like, and especially for an event where you lose money, it was like so. It didn't feel like a loss. Oh, okay. it, it it didn't. It, it feels like yo, we won, we conquered. Um, we set the standard of how to do a festival during COVID. Yeah. We were able to film and document it. We had six thousand artists get their business in order. We had two hundred and twenty of them perform, and. The uh, uh, that Tuesday after the festival, I got a call from the fire marshal in Katy, and not one complaint, not one email, not one phone call, not one arrest, not one ticket, not one fight, not one argument, not one, not one incident the whole weekend. So for me, we had we proved them wrong. We could do a safe event during COVID. Yeah. We proved them wrong that black people can get together and not be no shootout, not be no no beef. Our, the police officers that were there on site, um, we didn't have not one black police officer th the weekend. And that wasn't on purpose. It's just how the cops they sent us. Yeah. But they loved the festival. They took pictures with Zero. They were singing the songs. <laughs> they were, the police officer was going live when Lil Flip was performing. Like, so everything that people would say we can't do or shouldn't do it happened everybody came together and had a good time police had a good time watching the performances and talking to the artists and seeing where they were from like everybody had an amazing time so the event was a huge success for us just not not just as a quote-unquote festival but more as as people you know, we got together during the pandemic and artists got to experience things they had never experienced before. You know, a lot of a lot of brothers and sisters came together and supported each other on stage in their careers. Police officers were mixing and mingling with black men and there was no issues, no arguments, no fights, no beefs. Everything that people say, you can't trust the police. The police officers were amazing. They did their job. They 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 policed their ass off in a way to where nobody felt bothered or threatened that police was there. Yeah. There's just a level of respect that's there. I, I like yeah. that. 
I mean, wow. That was such a good interview. We didn't even, we have to have you back because we didn't talk about our Kelly Black panties. We didn't talk about, <laughs> there's so many things that we didn't talk about. Your work with the Rough Riders, Headgear Sports. There's so much that this man has done that we got a real great interview out of, but there's, we got the tip of the iceberg because he's done so much. A personal favorite of mine. I've always admired you, Derek. You got to give people their flowers when they're here. I mean, thank you for what you're doing for the city, my brother. Man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you guys for having me on, man. You know, I mean, it, I I just want to win. <laughs> you know, I just, I just want to figure out ways to do some cool stuff and have fun along the way, um, help a couple people live their dreams. And in the process, if everything works out good and we have a good time in the process, man, I'm with it. I'm all That's for great. it, but it's just, I just love doing what I do. And, and man, we love to see you do what you do. Once again, everybody, I've been Avery like a very nice guy and my brother, Jess Devon, with another In My Humble Opinion podcast. And we've been here with Derek McKinney. Now, once again, remember to like, share, and subscribe. Humbly yours, In My Humble Opinion podcast. Thank you and good night.